The Real Chemistry Podcast connects the dots between our guests and the innovative work they do to show up and shape the future of healthcare. Why? So you, the listener, are encouraged to join us on our relentless pursuit to make the world a healthier place for all. Some may call it idealism. We call it Real Chemistry. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of Real Chemistry and host of the Real Chemistry Podcast. Today, I have a special treat for you. We get to sit down and talk with a true innovator in the healthcare space. You may have heard his name before, but his name is Mark Odosh. He is the co-founder of TEDMED, the famous uh, conference uh, that was part of the TED Talks conference. And he's done some other amazing things, including leading the $10 million Genomics X Prize project. What we're going to lean into is an upcoming conference he's doing with Dr. Sanjay Gupta of CNN fame. It's called Life Itself. It's this fall down in San Diego. There'll be some amazing speakers. So we'll talk about how that came to be, some of the work he's doing on anti-aging, and many, many other things. So sit down, buckle in, and listen up. You're about to have a very interesting conversation. All right, Mark, so I want to get into the details around this shortly, but uh, I'm fascinated with your background. A majority of your life's work has really been focused on the intersection of healthcare, medicine, and innovation. And like many of our guests, I always want to dig into the why. So what inspired this passion in you? I think actually, if I remember correctly, you uh, did a stint in medical school before dropping out so you could actually pursue your real passion, but I will, I will let you answer that question. Yeah. Um, well, let me thank you. Um, so I'll, I'll take a step back even earlier than that. You know, growing up, um, uh, my father uh, was a neurosurgeon. And so I grew up in a you know, family of a, a brain surgeon and kind of learning the experience. I went into the operating room on occasion to kind of see what that experience was like. And my mom did a, a small amount in, in healthcare earlier, but um, mostly just, you know, uh, always inspired me to focus on taking care of people and being good to people. So just between the two of them, I think I I started leaning towards um, uh, uh, ideas and interest in health and, and, and medicine. And I was in high school when I joined the rescue squad and I became an EMT and I would um, drive the ambulance and rescue people and car accidents, cardiac events, you know, you know, you name it. Um, I saw pretty much everything, but, uh, but a plane crash, perhaps, you know, I mean, we saw it all. And I enjoyed that so much. I used to cut school. <laughs> I used to cut school to go drive the ambulance and, and rescue people in, in a couple of the townships I, I was working uh, in New Jersey. And so I uh, went to college and was pre-med and kept following this path. I always had this sort of entrepreneurial side in, in, inside of me, but I, I, I knew that something in health and medicine you know, felt right. So without really knowing what I wanted to do, I graduated um, with a sort of a psych and neuroscience degree and pre-medical you know, studies under my belt and went to um, Boston to start um, uh, a, a master's in medicine at the BU Medical School and did a year of that, but then decided I did not want to pursue uh, medical school further um, because I had started a company inventing consumer products, totally a different path. And so you asked what got me into it. That was sort of the early part. I then took a, a, a change of pace and went a different direction because the entrepreneurial side of me was craving something different. And I think being a doctor felt too planned out for me. And um, I, I like not knowing what I'm doing five years from now. And so I could walk you through all that, but the, uh, the next stage that after a few companies that got me back into medicine is I had become very close with um, uh, Dean Kamen, 
the inventor of the Segway, but mostly right. well-known as the um, medical devices. And, and Dean became uh, both a big inspiration and mentor and uh, started doing some work with him. It was that that started getting me shifted back towards my sort of medical interest and route. Well, it's very cool. And um, that does connect a lot of dots. And I love the fact that you used to skip school to be able to drive the ambulance. And I would argue that uh, medicine is better for the path that you chose, right? Because not that it wouldn't have been helpful to be a neurosurgeon or some sort of a medical doctor, but the entrepreneurship that you've infused into the healthcare system has been quite unprecedented. And we'll get into that more in a minute. I do want to sort of jump in with one of your first big steps, not that you know some of the earlier steps weren't big, but uh, in 2007, you were tapped to lead the $10 million Genomics X Prize, which, you know, looking back, 2007 in some ways feels like it was yesterday, and in other ways it feels like it was 100 years ago. And given everything that we've done in genomics, it's, it's really quite amazing that you were in so early. So this was an initiative that challenged teams of scientists and entrepreneurs to develop high-speed genome sequencing to enable personalized medicine. Talk a little bit about this experience and how you got tapped for that role. Yeah, you know, it was an exciting time, especially uh, for XPRIZE. They had just had the success of the um, SpaceX Prize, which was for the first private person to go to space. It was a $10 million competition. And um, it really fostered the beginning of what we now see uh, almost, uh, especially this recent past week, you know, of, of, of well-known individual, individuals starting their journey towards offering, you know, civilians a chance to go to space. Um, that all stemmed really from the SpaceX prize and seeing the power of prizes, the uh, head of that foundation named Peter, along with um, Craig Venter, who was a pioneer in human genomics and Larry Page, who was, a, you know, founder of Google, they decided they wanted to make that foundation um, uh, to, to broaden it into additional prizes. And they thought the next prize should be the genomics X prize. So um, they approached me and asked if I would lead that. And to make a, a, a long story short, I said yes. And I, I was, you know, on the East Coast at the time, but I started coming to California, you know, one week every month to lead the Genomics X Prize. And it was a great, amazing experience. Well, it's funny because as I was doing some research and looking through videos, there was one that talked about that. And you were sitting there asking the audience, you know, who would like to be one of the first people to go into space? And to your point, what was it, Monday or Tuesday of this week, Jeff Bezos went into space, you know, on a private flight, and we are now starting to see this very thing come to uh, reality. So it is a, a full circle activity. Uh, a year later, and this is probably more relevant to the meat of our conversation today, you co-founded this groundbreaking conference called TEDMED. Um, I think many people will understand like that word TED because it was an independently owned and operated uh health and medicine edition of the TED conference, which I think a lot of people know, what led you to create this event? I mean, I think now that we know some of the background, it's the answer might be a little more obvious than not, but not everyone has the, um, the wherewithal or the sort of, uh, stick to to create a, an event like this, because as you know, and we'll talk more about this with your current events that you're doing, it's a lot of work to put on an event and it's a lot of work to get the right innovators and the right audience into the room and the right sponsors. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, really at the time, very busy uh, talking about genomics and, and, and leading the genomics X prize and always had my hands in a variety of things at the same time, but I was giving a talk somewhere and had, um, was approached by the founder of Ted, his name's Richard, uh, many years ago, founded Ted in, in late in the eighties. And 
you know, he asked me to meet with him. And again, this is also a very long story, but the short version is that, um, you know, Richard had sold Ted uh, around 2001, but he had retained the rights to a brand called Ted Med that he wasn't doing anything with and thought we should and, and asked if I would be interested in, in uh, taking over that um, brand, which as a brand, it didn't exist, but of course the, the Ted brand did. And so um, I said, yes, and um, uh, we made a deal and I uh, uh, launched Ted Med in 2009 and it was wildly successful in terms of, you know, the importance of, you know, the reason I did it was healthcare was very siloed back then. Now there's a lot of events, might seem a little different, but it still actually is pretty siloed. You have a brain conference, a cancer conference, cardiovascular conference. We needed something that mixed leaders from many different areas together. Um, and that cross-pollination of ideas is very powerful. And we wanted to share that with the world. And so um, uh, launched Ted Med at the Hotel Del Coronado in San Diego, ran that for a number of years and um, uh, you know, ultimately sold that company. But it was, uh, I think, some of our Ted Med talks are the, uh, some of the best talks on, on, on TED.com. They are. And that's a great segue to uh, the next portion because of the fact that uh, you and Dr. Sanjay Gupta of CNN fame are hosting a new in-person event this fall called Life Itself, uh, September 28th through October 1st. We'll make sure that we post the link to that in the notes. Uh, and I think I actually know the answer to this now, too, because when I put the questions together, I had not done some of my video research, but I did see that I think it must have been one of your first in 2010. You had Dr. Sanjay joining you at TED Med via video conference from Haiti. Uh, was that the first time you had met him or had you all connected earlier than that? No, actually, Sanjay first spoke at TED Med 2009 in person on stage at the Hotel Dell. And that's where we first met. Um, we might have spoken before that, but essentially that was where we first. Actually, I think we actually had met in person um, maybe once before. But, but really, that's where we started to get to know each other a little bit. And he gave a great talk, as you would imagine Sanjay always does. And he was supposed to come back the second year in 2010 to speak at the event. But right before um, our event, the Haitian earthquake occurred, uh, obviously a horrible tragedy. And, and as Sanjay often does, he traveled to this disaster zone to report on what was happening. And knowing the importance of, I think, the community that we had pulled together, both just speakers and audience, this is what makes these events really strong. Is that it's a very strong community that, that comes together. He really wanted to share with us what he was doing live from Haiti. So we scrambled and brought in a live satellite truck and, and streamed him in and spoke to him from the stage where he gave a talk remotely. But we also had the head of FEMA, Craig Fugart at the time, Fugay at the time. And, uh, and we brought him on stage so that he could also talk to Sanjay. And that actually, I think, ultimately became a very useful um, uh, and helpful conversation for um, assisting in some of the things that they were working on. So... Um, it was definitely a memorable moment, and over the years, you know, Sanjay and I stayed in, in touch and, and friends, and ultimately said, you know, um, I focus on a lot of other things for the last, you know, 10 years, a lot on human aging and longevity, which is a personal important topic to me, but a lot of people have been encouraging me to kind of pull back together the original um, type of community that we had, and Sanjay and I decided we wanted to do it together, so we started Life Itself, a new conference that um, were, as you said, launching uh, in a couple months in person. And shortly after we partnered, CNN um, asked if they could uh, be a part of it and brought them on board as well as a major partner to help carry our content around the world. So similar in the way that Ted had carried my TED Med content, we now have the world's largest news organization 
who can help really help carry the important talks that we're going to have at Life Itself around the world. Well, it's very cool. And I'm personally very excited about the event. I think for those that are listening in and you touched on the ethos of this, because as you mentioned, Ted Med really was that breaking down of silos and bringing together sometimes odd bedfellows, right? Because as I think anyone that's lived in the world of innovation has seen very often the answers to questions come from outside that world, although you need the expertise of those living inside that world. So if you look at the healthcare world, you know, bringing in experts from outside can really help you think differently. And so I'd love to know, let's dive into life itself uh, a little bit and talk about the event, you know, the thesis of it, and then some of the speakers, because you really have quite an awesome lineup of people. And the good news, and you and I have talked a little bit about this offline, is that a lot of these speakers aren't just showing up speaking and then jumping ship. They're actually going to be there for the dinners. They're going to be there to actually socialize and hang out. So you don't just get the power of the big brains that will be on stage, but you also get this intermingling with some of the you know most prominent, smartest, uh, innovative people in the world. So tell us a little bit more about the the event and, and you know name some of the amazing speakers that will be there. Yeah, that's right. Everybody I'm going to name, um, you know, we expect to be at the event, um, you know, for most, if not all of the event, um, it is that it is not the kind of gathering where people typically come and, you know, speak and leave, um, even, you know, things come up, but that's always the, 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 the gist of it. It's really more of a three night retreat and certainly coming out of the pandemic, um, we thought, well, we better have the leaders, uh, involved in that. So we, um, are really you know proud to have Dr. Fauci joining us, uh, Dr. Walensky, the head of the CDC joining us because Corbett is amazing. Uh, a woman who led vaccine research under Dr. Fauci at the NIH. Um, you know, uh, so we definitely have, and, and, and others around the pandemic, but that's only going to be one out of, say, 10 sessions. We have other sessions, um, again, to the topic of aging and longevity. That's one session where we have the chairman of Apple, Art Levinson, who also happens to be the CEO of Calico, a company focused on curing aging, who's going to uh, share his thoughts. We have um, David Sinclair, clearly a world researcher in aging, who will show us some really new research. Everybody who comes is expected to share something they haven't shared before. So we really want something new from people and something personal and vulnerable. And we also will include other people on the topic, let's say on the topic of aging, like 99-year-old Norman Lear, um, who is a Hollywood legend with the shows he created from All in the Family to the Mickey and Maude, the Jeffersons, whatever it is, you know, and he can really look at aging from the human perspective, someone who's still creating uh, even at 99 years old. But, you know, we'll go um, uh, even more diverse. We might have astronaut Scott Kelly sharing something new that, he, you know, they discovered on the International Space Station that he commanded. Or magician uh, from Penn & Teller, Penn Gillette, who's going to look at confirmation bias, which is an important topic this year, of course. Um, but explain that to us through the form of a magic trick. How does your brain work? Why does it do? Um, uh, why does it play a role? And in, in, in how are we fooled in different ways? Um, there's so many people I'm excited about. I, I don't even know. We have 50 speakers in general and everybody from, um, you know, hardcore scientists and inventors like Dean Kamen or Martin Rothblatt, who is, you know, they're growing organs. We'll, we'll have some really cool things about the first time unveiling a new human organ that's been engineered um, to, uh, you know, the important topic of, you know, dementia and caregiving. So it's a, it's a mix of, of everything. And, we, we really mix it all with entertainment at the same time. So it's everybody has the same experience. It's a single track and the speakers are right there in the audience with everybody. And as you said, also mingling at all the networking time that's protected, dedicated time and lunches and dinners and so forth. 
Well, it's going to be awesome. And, you know, I think anyone that's been to a conference before knows the speakers are one third of it. I'll argue the programming and the venue are sort of the other third. But then the last third is the other people that are there. And I know one of the things that you are very carefully doing is curating those folks, although you're opening your arms, you know, so that it, it doesn't feel like only the people you pick. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, who those people might be. And if if there are people listening to this podcast that would like to come, you know, what types of folks are you asking to uh, sign up to be considered to, to come to the event? Yeah, you know, we have a mix of folks. So so on one hand, we have a lot of leaders like our speakers, like Bill Gates, you know, like Kimball Musk, like, you know, people who are very well established entrepreneurs and successful who are there. Um, but we also, you know, we want people who are maybe novel visionaries, you know, working on something new, those hidden gems of ideas that, you know, these sort of well-known people want to learn from them, right? It's a, it, it really goes both ways. So I say half the people there are very well-known and established and um, leaders in their respective fields, but the other half are equally remarkable in the work that they're doing and their curiosity and the, the, the passion that they have for the topics that they care about. Um, uh, or they're just truly simply interested in healthcare and, and looking to be inspired because they want to contribute in that way. So I think um, we welcome a lot of different kinds of people. We are just looking for um, you know, people who really ultimately care to make a difference. At the end of the day, Sanjay Gupta and I want this event to be meaningful and impactful in all that we do. Yeah, well, and it sounds like you really are. And you know, one additional level of context, which I think will be helpful for people to know is I believe you're ma uh, mandating that everyone's vaccinated who shows up. Yes. You know, you've had the person that's been the face of, you know, safety during the pandemic and Dr. Fauci and Dr. Walensky, who's the head of the CDC. Um, you know, so I think people can really feel like going to this in-person event at this beautiful venue in the Hotel um, Del Coronado in San Diego uh, they really will get a world-class experience because you'll be safe. You'll be with amazing people. You'll be in an amazing place in the world. And uh, why wouldn't you want to go? Well, we, we, we delayed the event once. It was originally going to be actually in, in February, but we've now delayed it to September, which is arriving very quickly. And yes, there's a lot of news out there. And, and yes, there's um, still a lot of concern. But we are, as I said, uh, and as you said, um, uh, following the guidance of a number of our speakers, from Bill Gates to Fauci, to Walensky and so forth, and Larry Brilliant, who's brilliant for, you know, eradicating smallpox. So we've got really, really good guidance, and we do absolutely require everybody who's there to be vaccinated, and we do check that um, so that we can provide as absolute safe and comfortable environment for everybody. So that's uh, that's how we're doing it. So we're very optimistic in, uh, on our timing, and we will hold this event. And um, for any reason we didn't, um, <laughs> You know, we we are we have no intention of keeping anybody's uh, registration. We will, you know, but this event is is moving forward, and um, we're really excited. It's really just about boy, two months away. Yeah, no, it's like I said, it's it's going to be awesome. Uh, on a related note, you know, given the fact that you really are someone that epitomizes innovation in healthcare, and I always like to ask my guests that sort of sit in those roles to look forward a little bit. Maybe five years is too much, but. I would love to sort of get your take on any bold predictions in the next five years. I'm guessing one might be on anti-aging, but certainly don't want to hamstring you and, and limit you to that. So uh, tell us your thoughts. Well, I uh, to, to, to first respond to the aging thing, I don't think we'll cure aging in the next five years, but I do think you'll see a great acceleration in the way we view aging. I think that society should view aging as a disease. 
um, forget whether technically, you know, what, what makes up the biomarkers of aging and the pathways that we're studying. It really should be thought of as a disease process that we need to intervene and do something about. And I think that that will become more and more accepted over the next five years. The, you know, the other area that first probably comes to mind, um, yes, you're going to see lots of progress on the digital side of things and whatnot, but I think cancer is going to start to see some pretty um, dramatic improvements with the way that we're using mRNA technology, with the way that we're personalizing and understanding cancer genomes and treatments and so forth. So I'd say that would be one area that I certainly hope sees, uh, you know, whether we fully eradicate cancer in five years, probably not, but I think you're going to see um, some really great, great progress at a speed that maybe we haven't seen in the last five years. Can we, so I love that you answered that that way. And that's something actually that um, we're quite bullish on. Our CEO, Jim Weiss, has been talking a lot about is leveraging this mRNA platform that was used for the vaccine development, particularly Pfizer and Moderna. Um, Tell us a little bit more about why that can help in the process of curing cancer and how it's different than maybe some of the other therapies that we've tapped in the past. Well, I'm not an expert on that. And, and we do have those coming to our event, you know, both the CEO of Moderna, uh, Stephen Bensel, and also the CEO of Illumina, who um, uh, is the head of Illumina. So, uh, you know, to, to which is doing genome sequencing. And I think together, they're really going to be able to address why the um, sequencing of a specific cancer that's unique to you is important into solving that particular cancer. It's really about the personalization of it and our ability to know exactly what you have and how to address it, um, you know, using their technology, I think um, is the goal. You know, how do you know which cells to kill? Right now, we just, you know, carpet bomb the human body with chemotherapy and just hope that it's just getting the bad cells. But it's um, the the personalization of that is where uh, the the cancer genome, I think, can be um, best utilized. I love it. For anyone that hasn't heard Francis D'Souza, who is the CEO of Illumina Speak, um, I had the pleasure of getting to know him a little bit back in the early days and saw him recently at a, an event. And uh, that's going to be a great uh, duo right there. I do want to wrap up with two sort of standard questions that I ask all my guests. And it's just a little bit about um, you know how they think and uh, where they sit on the spectrum. And the first is one I actually started asking during the pandemic, now that we're whatever it is, 16, 17 months in. And that is, uh, if you could have one wish, any wish, what would it be and why? Mm, I would say I'm going to answer maybe two quick answers. One, I have already expressed my interest in human aging and longevity and the uh, uh, to, to, to get rid of all age-related disease would certainly be one giant wish. But until then, I want society not only to recognize it for what it is, but to care about all health issues the way and to celebrate the leaders working on these issues, the way we care about entertainers and athletes in this country. We give a lot of, you know, it's, it's great to celebrate and, and, and have fun with entertainment and sports, but it's off balance. And I've been actually very involved in a nonprofit called Frisch Robotics for years, which is meant to inspire kids to pursue careers in science and technology. And I think as a society, the way we all came together for COVID, the whole world came around for COVID. We had competitors working with each other to solve these problems. I wish the world could all come together to solve all health suffering that you know humans have to um, eradicate all forms of suffering. And so at the end of the day, those two issues I'd say would be on my wish list. 
And isn't that selfless of you, given the fact that you're actually creating a venue where some of those people can come together and ideally bring that one step closer to reality? So, And we hope to celebrate them. That's why we share for those who can't come to our event. CNN will be sharing the talks and we hope that the public will celebrate and learn and be inspired by what they're sharing with us. Absolutely. And it's nice that you are able to do that and really bring those great learnings to a broader audience. My last question is a little gratuitous, but it's a fun one. And again, it's sort of a, a nice way for people to get to know the people that make the world a healthier and, and more innovative place. And that is the proverbial, you're stuck on a deserted island. Don't worry about the how here. Uh, but you, you're able to take one album with you. Which album would you choose? Hmm. Well, I, <laughs> I'm going to answer this maybe not in a way that you would expect. I think I would take... Um, uh, a CD of anybody. I wouldn't take a, a record. I would take a, a CD disc of any musician that I could first get my hands on and use that disc as a reflector to call for help from the island using the sunlight. <laughs> and I feel like that would be the best thing for me to have. And as a as a as someone who's also a pilot, I think that um, I could probably use that tool that that disc uh, to attract the attention of perhaps a passing plane. Well, I've asked a lot of people this question, Mark, and I can tell you that no one has even come close to that answer. So uh, only fitting for someone uh, like yourself that sits in the place that you sit. So thank you for such an innovative answer. Uh, I shouldn't be surprised. With that, I will wrap us up. This is Aaron Strout, the CMO of Real Chemistry and the host of the Real Chemistry podcast. I've had the pleasure of speaking to Mark Odash. 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 Sorry, I I knew I was going to butcher it a little bit, but um, Mark is the uh, co-founder of Life Itself, co-founder of TedMed, one of the leaders for the uh, Genomics X Prize, innovator extraordinaire, as you heard, um, uh, driver of ambulances and uh, general do-gooder of society. So, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Aaron. Want more episodes of the Real Chemistry Podcast? We post a new episode every Thursday. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Stitcher app, or iHeartRadio via the Health Podcast Network. Go to realchemistry.com for more info.